Hey, Last Looks crew. Now, navigating the makeup industry comes with its own set of unique challenges that require profound creativity and adaptability. Our guest today, makeup artist Naomi Backstad, speaks candidly about her experiences working in varying weather conditions, dealing with unforeseen mishaps on set, and learning to say no to opportunities in order to protect her personal time. Her willingness to face these challenges head on, see each one as a learning experience, and adapt accordingly has been key to her resilience and longevity in the industry. Now, let's talk award season. I'm not sure if you follow such things, and it may be argued that sometimes you might be better off if you don't. (laughs) So yesterday, I was an audience member at the Bake Off. What's the Bake Off, you ask? Yeah, weird name. And I'm sure there is a good reason for it being called that. Unfortunately, it has nothing to do with delicious baked goods. Yeah, that's disappointing. Maybe someone should bring cookies one year. Every award season, the Academy, which is the Oscars, makeup and hair branch vote for their top 10 films that they've seen that year when they're considering makeup and hair. Not only voting for their top 10 films, but they put them in order from one being their 100% Oscar winner through to number 10. The Academy Makeup and Hair Branch Executive Committee, which is normally around 23 people, then work out what is to be considered for each film. So it's whether they're just looking at makeup or they're just looking at hair, they're looking at makeup and hair, or if it's for the entire film, or maybe it's just one character. It is then those artists you see on the shortlist, and the people on the shortlist then present at the Bake Off. And at the Bake Off, each film shows a seven-minute reel from their film showcasing the work being considered. Then they have a Q&A with the governors, and this is all in the hopes that it will help the entire makeup and hair branch then vote for their top five. I mean, it's a very hard decision. There's so many amazing films in the shortlist of 10 films, and then they have to cut that in half. So it will be those five films that will be formally nominated for an Academy Award, and more importantly, they will be part of our Oscars special for 2024. (laughs) Um, I will say, if anyone ever offers to take you to the Bake Off one year, you should take them up on it. It is an interesting event. Not only are you in the room with so many incredible artists, but it really is fascinating hearing what goes into bringing their work to the big screen. You never know which way that cookie will crumble, and I wish them all the very best. Okay, enough of that. One more thing before we kick into it. Tickets are available for our next live Q&A with Flora Moody. So get your ticket, submit your questions, and we will see you on February 3rd. My name is Jamie Lee, a film hairstylist living in LA, and this is The Last Looks Podcast, a show where I catch up with hairstylists and makeup artists working in the film and television industry around the world. And today, we are catching up with makeup artist Naomi Backstad. On with the show. And now, a word from our sponsor. Tablet Palette is the first and only resaleable, customizable, and compostable beauty palette. It's the perfect solution for glam on the go and touch-ups. No more wasted foundation from your mixing palette. Keep the excess fresh for touch-ups by putting it into a sealed tab. Actor bags stay organized and lightweight with tablet. You can pre-fill them, which makes it easy for a day player or second unit artists to keep each look consistent for continuity. Skip the messy wax paper. 
Hand out tabs to your background talent to use throughout the day. Tired of giving away lipsticks? Mix up custom lip color and put it in a tab for your client to take on the go and keep your products in your kit. Tablet is perfect for travel. You can cut it to fit a TSA-approved bag. Visit tabletpalette.com to order your resealable, compostable tablet palettes now. That's T-A-B-L-E-T-T-E-P-A-L-E-T-T-E.com. Use code LASTLOOKS for 25% off. And now, our feature presentation. Picture up. Last Looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Songs podcast, Naomi. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay, so this is where our story begins. I want you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Naomi, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... A makeup artist. I mean, it's really kind of all I've ever wanted to do, which is, I think, different and strange. You don't hear that from a lot of people, but I used to watch movies in my grandparents' basement, especially horror movies when I was a kid and or just Hollywood movies. And I was pretty obsessed, you know, like I loved the I loved the behind the scenes and how things were being created. And yeah, my cousin used to say like, it's interesting because you've always known what you wanted to do. Mm. And I guess in some ways I kind of have. I worked at the bank a little bit when I was out of high school, but it's been the majority of my life that I've pursued being a makeup artist for film and TV. And I do love it. When did you kind of figure out like what age were you when you were just kind of like, that's a job that I want to do? Well, it's funny because my father would always say like, like my dad didn't consider it a job. He was like, you want to do what? Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. I think I, that's a good question. You know, like I think I was enthralled with the fantasy of movie making when I was younger. And, Mm. you know, when my friends were watching 16 Candles and Breakfast Club, I was trying to watch The Thing and, you know, Total Recall and, uh, you know, American Werewolf in London. And I, I would really search, you know, at that time we didn't have YouTube and stuff like that. So I would search for like some behind the scenes, anything that I could find that showed me how things were created. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I was like eight or when I first got interested. And then I think as I grew up in, into school and things like that, I don't know that I really realized it was a job either until until I graduated and sat down with my family. And my father said, well, you know, like you should search out some training. If that's what you want to do, search out some training. So I researched schools and I went to, I did my schooling in Los Angeles at Joe Blasco. And I don't know if the academy exists anymore, to be honest, but at that time, Joe Blasco was, he was sort of like an old Hollywood veteran, like Max Factor, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure he was actually Max Factor's assistant back in the day, but he had these schools. And so it was like a full rounded course. At that time we did, you know, beauty makeup and aging out of kit effects. Uh, We did prosthetics, we sculpted and ran foam pieces. So it was, it was sort of like a, a year long course of learning the basics of everything. And that's what I did. So I got like, I did my certification and, and then started volunteering on, like commercials and little freebie movies and anything I could to get experience in days and and work myself towards the union. So did you grow up in LA? Where did you grow up? No, I grew up in Vancouver. When I was quite young, I lived in Hawaii with my family and my dad lived there for a very long time. 
And I grew up in Vancouver in Canada. My parents, when they divorced, I came back with my mom. So I grew up in Canada, but my dad's an American. And so I've always had the ability to kind of go back and forth, yeah, which has been very valuable. And so now I maintain residence in Canada and in the States, and I am a taxpayer in both countries, which, <laughs> you know, helps me work all over. Yeah. But it is, it is pretty, it's helped me a lot. That's awesome. So how, like, how old were you when you moved to LA? I was 20, I was 21, because I remember that I could drink. So I was 21. (laughs) Yeah, that's helpful. (laughs) And what was that move like? Like, did it, did it feel scary at all? Or had you been to LA before? Like, did you know people here? My father's wife is from California. So we used to go down all the time. So California felt familiar. Mm -hmm. And I moved down with my best friend at the time. And we both kind of waitressed our way through through school and had a great time. You know, I mean, it was so fun. And everybody you meet in LA, you know, has something to do with the film industry. And I met so many great artists down there. Uh, One of my best friends down there was a tattoo artist. And we just kind of been immersed ourselves in the, in the environment. And it was great. I think ultimately we moved back to Canada just, you know, for Canadian things like medical insurance and things like that. Like common sense (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Yeah. The basics of life. I remember this um, is probably going to uh, offend a lot of people, but <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> but being a foreigner and uh, being part of the Commonwealth as well, being from New Zealand. So I remember the first time going to Canada and working and it was just a small little like reshoot stint that I was doing there. But I remember driving around and being like, this feels like America, but with common sense. <laughs> <laughs> Because, but my idea of common sense, because there are a lot of similarities, just how it works being from New Zealand, but it still was very American feeling. So it was like a kind of melting of my upbringing and understanding of how things work with, you know, healthcare and all that type of stuff. But then it also had all the American kind of feeling and facets to it. So it was like this little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I think I know. I think people don't know a lot about Canada, but it's true because it's well, especially in Vancouver, we're very much like the West Coast. So, you know, it's a two hour drive from here to Seattle. Mm. And I feel like we're all kind of connected. It's like Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, you know, San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, like this whole kind of West Coast feeling. And I think that Canada feels very much like the States, except, you know, with cleaner water and recycling and things like that, (laughs) medical coverage. (laughs) But yeah, if anyone gets the opportunity to work in Vancouver, it is lovely. The food is fantastic. It's really a nice place. And it's beautiful because you can be up in the mountains or you can be at the lake or, you know, it's all very sort of close and you really get a feel for everything around here. So I do feel quite fortunate to, to live here for sure. That's awesome. So that's where you're based most of the time now? Yeah. Awesome. You didn't want to stay in LA? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love the weather. The weather's so amazing. And the people are fantastic, you Mm. know. And what's interesting is right before COVID, you know, my husband and I, I have two daughters Mm. and my husband, I've been married, you know, I can't really do the math, but it's like 14 years or something like that. And 
you know, before COVID, we really did. We were going to move to the States permanently. We we do sort of maintain residence down there. So we go back and forth often, but we were going to, you know, just sort of sell everything and go. And when COVID hit, I was actually working the year before COVID stopped everything. I had spent the entire year in the States. So I did a series in Atlanta, a series in LA, and then I went and did a series in New York and literally got shut down like the world is shutting down. We're shutting down the production when COVID sort of stopped all of us. And then we came back to Canada again for just to be close to our family. Mm. And at that time, also definitely for medical insurance and and just sort of decided to to kind of plant a little deeper here post that. So we haven't really revisited the idea of permanently going back down, but I just kind of go back and forth as often as I can. I love working in the States and and I love working here too. Yeah, it's nice to have the option. It's awesome. Yeah. So what were some of the first full-time jobs that you managed to find after coming out of schooling? When I came back to Vancouver, my friend was a camera assistant mm. and was volunteering on some productions. And we ended up, he, he got me hooked up with the makeup artist on a little movie called Air Bud. Mm-hmm. about the dog who plays basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman that I worked with, her name was Joanne Fowler. And she at the time was the head of the makeup department in the union for IATSE. So I really, you know, it was a long time ago. I feel like it was a bit, I don't want to say easier back then, but there was definitely less people trying to establish themselves in the in the career. So I made a good impression with her and she really took me with her. So she mentored me and I worked with her under under her for a few shows and worked a lot under department heads here in Vancouver. We have a fairly good, you know, well-established film community in Vancouver and some really talented makeup and hairstylists. So I was, you know, I, I feel like I was fairly fortunate just because I, you know, worked hard and listened and remembered and paid attention. And I got kind of lucky, I think, that I got brought into the union through her. And so I've been in in the union for, I don't know, 20 years or something now. Yeah. And I guess back then, was Vancouver as busy as it has been in the last few years? Like Vancouver's been reasonably busy for the last, what, like 10 years, right? Yeah, I would say, I'd say, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as, it definitely wasn't as busy. Mm. And I think that's something I always reinforce with newer artists coming in. It's like, I remember the cyclical moments of the industry where it was always very busy from the summer until Christmas. And then the start of a new year was slow and you hoped to be working by March. And usually it would pick up again as we got into back into the summer. So it used to be very cyclical Mm. and now it really is busy all year and you can sort of maintain moments of yeah keeping busy having breaks between projects you know being a little more choosy about the projects that you want to do so that's really nice too to to allow yourselves a bit of a life because I think there's that tendency to just work and work and work because you never know when the work's going to come next and I think that's a hard thing in this industry you have to stop yourself at some point and say I have to remember myself along this journey and take my breaks and, you know, honor my mental health Mm. and things like that. So absolutely. And I think that it it is harder to do that when you are first beginning and say the industry isn't as busy as you would like. So there are those 
breaks in between. But did you do anything else? Did you have like a side hustle going on? Were you doing makeup and other areas trying to fill in those gaps? I did. At the beginning, I did like makeup for headshots and I would do uh, makeup for, at that time, there was like model testing. So models would put together, you know, portfolio, mm. like what are they called? Like look books for themselves. So then we would go out with a stylist and a hairstylist and do three different looks for the models or we do actors headshots. I did a lot of actors headshots. Okay. I did some commercials and yeah, music videos. Like, you know, you just try to try to hustle and do whatever you can. You know, you do weddings, yeah. you do, you know, grads. Um, and then eventually I used to keep my little book, you know, kind of keeping track of when I would get paid for everything. And I remember the day that I didn't have to write everything down where it was like, oh, I'm starting to kind of get myself a little balanced here where I'm not just waiting for that, you know, living on nothing till that paycheck comes. Yeah. So that's a nice, you know, a nice sort of evolution to get to. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think you, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, once I, when I got to that point, I was just like, still had that mind frame of just taking the next thing and the next thing and keep going and going and going. Cause it's just like, this is happening. Yeah. It's, it's all, you know, I've got job after job after job. And then getting to a point where I was just like, okay, I think I'm starting to burn out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's really hard. I know it's hard. And you almost like you don't even, it's hard to even recognize those signs in yourself too. And I think when we do hair and makeup, we're so used to pushing ourselves. You know, it's, it can be a, a very, you know, challenging job because the hours are long and we start very early in the morning when we do makeup and hair and you have to have a lot of energy in the morning. Like the mornings are when you know, I've become a morning person doing this job because the mornings are when you expend all your emotional energy and your physical energy. It's when you do, you know, the work and get the cast ready and get this, you know, everybody ready to shoot yeah. and then maintain it all day. So it can be that, you know, that we're used to pushing ourselves. Mm. It's hard to know when you need to stop for a second. Yeah. And it is hard to say no to work, you know, and it's like, there's that rush of, oh, you know, you're excited that you're getting the jobs and that you're working and that people want you. And then, you know, and it just kind of roll, it sort of rolls on itself. And, you know, I'm still not good at saying no. Yeah, no, it is difficult. And I think, yeah, because you've trained your mind to be like, you say yes to everything, which is good when you're starting out because you kind of need to, you need to be available and say yes and Absolutely. Get as much work and contacts and build those relationships and all that type of stuff. But at some point you need to, I guess, just checking in as you're progressing yeah. to kind of be like, okay, can I afford to maybe sit this one out? Like, is it, it's yeah. not going to be the end of the world if I say no. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, and I know for me, like I got very used to, cause in New Zealand it was, it's kind of work would come in waves. So I would, you know, get on something, yeah. work it. And then there would, there wouldn't be anything shooting in town or it might be small and they've already got their crew. So I'd be like going back to the barber shop and cutting hair and stuff in between. And I got into that mindset of let's say, okay, when I'm working and making good money, I need to save. So yeah. it meant that when I went back to the barber shop, I only had to go back like three days a week. I didn't have to be like working six days a week and just not having any downtime. So yeah, that mentality I think has kind of kept with me that when I'm on a job, I mean, God, I don't even have time to spend money. So savings kind <laughs> of, 
kind of exactly. easy, I suppose, because it's just like, well, I don't have any time to spend any of this stuff unless I'm just going to be online <laughs> shopping 24 hours a day. But yeah, I just, I try to get into that mindset of like saving money so I can, yeah, afford to have time off in between. But yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Saying no is still very difficult but I think you get to a point where it's very necessary and it must be for you too with having kids like absolutely and and you know it it was interesting because having kids sort of helped teach me that because I did take you know a few years off here and there when my when my kids were young and it's interesting how you can catch back up you know Mm -hmm. because really if you don't see someone for a year they could have just been on another show yeah so that kind of trained me a little bit where I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I was able to step back in and in some ways taking little breaks. I did do some teaching at one of the makeup schools here in town when I was having my kids as well, Mm. which helped give me a little bit more work-life balance and sort of normal hours and things like that. But, but yeah, that, and you know, and, and then COVID happens and then Mm. there's a strike and then you realize that it's okay to allow yourself to have a bit of a life and, you know, the show goes on, as they say. Maybe yeah. that's where that saying comes from. <laughs> and it's also a good reminder when strikes and pandemics happen that saving is probably uh, in your best interest. Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. You also, I find, my, this might just be my, I don't know, my self-righteous stubbornness or something, but I also feel like I don't have to tell people why I'm turning something down. Absolutely. And if you're going to be having some downtime, I don't think you need to necessarily vocalize it to everybody. You don't need to be like, I'm having this month off. Please don't contact me. You, know, you don't have to make a thing of it. It's just when someone reaches out to say like, oh, can you work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week? It's just say, like, oh, unfortunately I'm unavailable. You don't need to go yes. into reasons and stress yourself out of like coming up with some little fib as to why you can't do it. It's just like you're unavailable. Yeah. And you're unavailable it's because true. you're having downtime and that's okay. You don't need to. Yes, absolutely. There might be the odd person out there that'll be like, well, why not? But very rarely is someone <laughs> going to be like, why are you unavailable? They're just going to take that answer and be like, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, it's so true. <laughs> but uh, Looking back on all the wonderful jobs that you have done, what do you think are three of your favorites. I've always said that Always Be My Maybe was one of the, my favorite projects that I worked on. Mm-hmm. It was, a, it's a, I don't know if you know that show, but it's, a, it was Ali Wong's first movie. And it's a really cute story. It's really fun. Keanu Reeves is in it. He sort of plays himself and he was really fun to work with. I have seen it. It's a good film. It is. It's yeah. fun. And it was just really lighthearted and we had uh, just a good time shooting it, you know, and I always kind of like, I like different projects for different reasons because one thing I always find, you know, I'm like, I'm old school. So when I learned how to be a makeup artist, like we did everything, you know, it was like body makeup, tattoo cover, you know, beauty makeup, like eyelashes. And it was also out of kit and blood and dirt. And, you know, nowadays I find it's all very specialized and and people have, which I think is incredible because there's so many talented artists that have just strengths. And so to really highlight on that is fabulous. But I always like the idea of being able to sort of do everything. And if I do one thing for too long, then I 
snap back and want to do something else. Yeah. So as much as I love doing Always Be My Maybe, and it was really fun and it was just beauty makeup for the most part. Another one of my favorite movies that I've done was called Antlers, which was a horror movie. Complete different direction. <laughs> Completely different. Just yeah. like all blood and dirt and, you know, huge, long prosthetic applications. I'd come in with the other artists and we'd be there, you know, four hours before call and get everybody ready. But then if I do that too much, then I'm ready to go back to do, you know, eyelashes and comedy and things like that. So I loved Atlas, you know, our cast, Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell, they were fabulous. And the director's name was Scott Cooper on Antlers, but Guillermo del Toro was one of our producers and came to the set and he came into my trailer. He wanted a beard trim. So I trimmed his beard Mm -hmm. and we talked about makeup and movies for like, an hour. And oh, that's awesome. He, he's so interesting because he started as a special effects makeup artist. Yeah. And I had an, I had an issue of Makeup Artist Magazine, I think, on my station. And so he picked it up and we talked about all the makeups in it and what he thought of them and who he thought was going to win the Oscar and things he liked about the makeup and didn't like. And it was really fabulous. Like just one of those experiences that you can never plan that just yeah. is a spontaneous moment you know it's awesome um so that was really special and of course wonder wonder was uh, such a great highlight for me for so many reasons collaborating with all those incredible artists and Aryan Tuchin who mm. did the Augie uh, prosthetic and just seeing that come to life was was fascinating and just yeah. being involved every day that guy is something else yeah <laughs> it was it was really amazing and he's so sweet and we had the you know, the chance to do an award circuit together from that movie. So mm-hmm. we went to the Critics' Choice Awards and the BAFTAs and you're in those environments. So it's so overwhelming and there's so many people that all of the makeup artists stuck together, mm-hmm. you know, so all of the makeup, it was that year, it was the darkest hour. They won everything. So usually when we'd go to the events or we'd all sort of gather together. And so there I was with, you know, Kezi Hirosuji and David Malinowski. And it was just incredible and Aryan and we just it was a really really magical time and those memories that as they're as they're happening you just it's so much it's almost hard to take it in but then afterwards you just look back and it's you just have that forever so I'll always cherish that time that's awesome yeah looking back and being like that happened (laughs) yeah it's incredible That's awesome. It's so exciting. I mean, is there advice that you would give anyone that was going into that situation? Like, is it just go with the flow or? At the awards? I mean, ooh. Just the whole the whole circuit of it. Like, we did. We did interviews and um, it was cute because when Arian and I would be together, you know, he's very shy mm-hmm. and he never, you know, had a hard time talking, I think, about himself a lot. So I was a good wingman for him. And our hairdresser, uh, well, I think the two of us, we really always bounced ideas and conversations off each other. And we would really, you know, lead Arian into these great conversations to really talk about some of the magical things that he was doing. So I think it was really helpful to have us together as a balance. Yeah. Um, we really complimented each other's um, G's in that environment. So that was really nice. And to spend um, time together. The Critics' Choice was the first that, of the circuit that we went to, and it was exciting and fun. The Critics' Choice and the BAFTAs, um, you're there with with everybody. It's all TV and all film and all the actors are there. And, you know, you're standing in the line for the bathroom with 
you know, Chris Hemsworth is standing beside you. Nicole Kidman's coming out saying, oh, excuse me. Like, it's so <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I love that that uh, teamwork kind of continued on into a different environment as well. Yeah, it was really special. So I imagine if people who didn't work too well together probably then wouldn't be able to move into a different area like that and kind of be able to lift each other up and encourage each other to talk about their skill and all that kind of stuff. So that's cool. That's nice to hear. Yeah. I think that I I always like to pride myself on being a collaborator Mm. and I love the idea of the teamwork of it, you know? So that's always something that matters a lot to me, whether it's, you know, your own team, you feel very blessed to have a, a very strong team of uh, assistants who are loyal to the shows that I do and like to work with me mm. and who are extremely talented and, and wonderful and supportive and organized. And uh, I find the teamwork element of this job is, is something that I really, uh, really love, you know, and, and with production too, I always like to try and help production, try to help things run smoother. You know, in my fantasy life, I'm a producer, you know, like I really think I have a good head for it. And so I like to be, you know, active with solutions and coming up with, you know, different ways of doing things or different ways of shooting things that will help be faster, more efficient, you know, uh, to match, like just all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, with the ADs, the timing, all of that stuff. I think just having that attitude and feeling that that's how you like to work is definitely a good way to be asked back. It's totally. going you know, to leave a really positive impression with a lot of people. And they'll just be like, yes, I want to work with Naomi again. That, that experience was fantastic. Interesting because you never know where, you know, who's going to recommend you mm. for something, you know, and I think we all it's like that little uh, tale. We tell you, like, be nice to the person who helps you park your car because tomorrow they could be your boss. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> it's so true, right? <laughs> We've all seen it. Yeah. So just always remember that to operate with kindness and respect is uh, and efficiency is yeah. important. And it, even if it doesn't naturally come from a place um, of caring <laughs> of caring for others, if you're if you're a little more self absorbed, then it's also self serving to be nice to others. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Self-preserving. Yeah. I came across it. I mean, I've never witnessed it in my life, but I was um, working somewhere and noticing that there was quite a bit of, oh, I don't know, just in in the crowd room, people really not helping each other out. Like I would tell one person, like, oh, you can use this for blah, blah, blah. And then I would overhear the person next to them asking an hour later, like, oh, how do, what can I use for this? And then just going, I don't know. And I was just like, do you have any idea that if you don't just care for being a decent human being that it's like, how do I get across to them to give a shit and to be nice to each other and help each other as a team? It's just like, you do realize that that person to your right and to your left could be the one that's responsible for hiring you next time let alone I'm overhearing all of this as well which isn't a great look so well exactly that's what people do need to remember you know exactly and also not invulnerable to needing help like one day you're going to need help and if Mm. you help somebody hopefully they'll help you back you know and it's that pay it forward kind of mentality and being generous with information I think you know, causes and love around you. It's like people are generous with you when you're generous with them. Yeah. So it's just always have to remind ourselves of that. 
I, for one, I just had never seen anything like it and I couldn't understand. I was just standing there going, why would you not help them? I know. <laughs> I don't like what seeing do that stuff. Benefit? Like, what do yeah, you I get know. out of that? What do you benefit from? you're going to have a bad day. It's, just, it's such a weird way of working, but it's just um, I, interesting. I <laughs> but um, when you are putting your team together, what specifically are you looking for? when you're hiring somebody that you may have not worked with before? I like people who are, you know, motivated and believe in teamwork and mm. good at collaboration. Um, always looking for people who are, you know, good makeup artists at the end of the day. I think that, you know, who show skill or the the want or the need to learn, be open-minded, you know, good listeners, remember things, remember the advice or, mm. you know, people who are organized, kind, art <laughs> you know those kinds of things <laughs> so um one thing with for a key well I again I'm, I've been very fortunate to have a few strong people key for me that um stayed with me through many shows yeah and their skills are different than mine and I always mm-hmm. think that that's really valuable too because I don't need somebody who's just like me to be my right hand. I need someone who can help me fill in, you know, in the gaps as it were, right? To sort of help me balance out to to become a, a more well-rounded department. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, let's face it, no, I can't do everything amazingly. So I certainly need to hire a team of people who can do other things that I cannot. So Exactly. And then, you know, and so many department heads get caught up in that power struggle too, which I think is, is definitely not something that I believe in personally. I just feel like you're going to come at a place where you have to, you know, control, be a control freak about everything, um, bite you and Oh, in a bad way, meaning that if you give people the confidence to stand on their own feet and answer questions, mm. they will help you, you know, work better. The whole team will become more efficient. It's all about support. It's I, I really do believe in teamwork because it's true. You can't do everything. And some big shows in the last few years where you literally can't do everything. Yeah. And you can't you can't even oversee everything. So you really have to put trust in people, Mm. guide them with your vision, give people good references, make sure everybody's on the same page, make sure they know to check in. You know, it's just like communication, so important and organization and all of that and confidence. You know, you give people confidence and then they act with confidence and respect. And going in a completely different um, direction now from confidence, but is there... (laughs) Is there a time that you remember where you messed something up, like just made the biggest mistake? Uh, how did you deal with that? Does anything kind of come to mind? I mean, I've definitely had those moments through my career. I mean, everybody has those moments where, you know, I we had a, a pretty famous day on Peter Pan. We reference it as Mermaid Day because we did this uh, sequence with um, these performers were um, in the water. They were going to be sort of half uh, capture and half uh, capture for the mermaids that were under the ship. Yeah. And we had a huge water tank built. We tested these makeups probably four times with the layers because they were iridescent and they had to be waterproof and they had to be all these things. Mm. And they were on a separate unit. I took Jude Law and um, Gaffigan with a different part of my team. And the mermaids were all on a separate unit with a different uh, different artist. But we had all tested everything together. And they got into the tanks. All the makeup fell up. <laughs> like, 
literally within minutes. And it was sort of like this panic of, you know, what's in the water. It's obviously not reacting with the products. You know, it was just, and how we solved it was like literally just hustled. Every time they came out of the water, about five artists jumped on them and reapplied the makeups as fast as you've ever seen in your life. And we just chased them all day. But it was one of those things because I think that it was all happening so fast that at the end of the day, the next day when we sort of did our debriefing and we went back through the stages of the makeup to figure out what happened, like what happened, mm. what happened there, you know, it was more of a chemical reaction and just the the layering that maybe didn't work or what was in the water that was adversely working with our products. Mm. And I think from that moment moving forward, whenever you're... I'm now dealing with tattoo covers or body makeups or anything in uncontrolled environments. There's just a different sort of checklist of things that I, I say to myself, you know, when I'm going through things like you have, you know, just common sensey stuff like taking oils off skins and just, you know, making sure that you really pay attention to every step so that it's done well, so that you don't have to have those days. So how would you approach that differently now? Like, how did you test it? You tested it with different water, obviously. Like, would there be a, a way to have tested it with that water that they were using? Or I think there's definitely, like, the, the always the unknown. Mm. So, like, you never... I don't know that we ever exactly figured out what happened uh, as we weren't sure of everything that they were putting in the water, but we used the tank for many days. And so the, the level of chlorine was fairly high because there were so many people, you know, there was frogmen and actors and everybody in the water. They were definitely disinfecting it and, you know, at a high level. So uh, no, in hindsight, if you could ever really test for that stuff, I think what you can do for yourself to survive these moments is just, you know, know your products. I always remember when I taught makeup at the school that I would tell my students, sometimes it's also just about like things, you know, like it may look good at six in the morning. It may mm. not look good at nine at night. Yeah. And so a lot of our problems are, you know, problem solving. Mm. And when you really know all of the, the chemical breakdowns of each products that you're using, that will take you a long way. You know, to know what's waterproof, what's, you know, things that you can use in the snow. Like if anyone's ever done a blood show in the snow, <laughs> they would know what I mean. You know, like when things are going to freeze, what's going to freeze in your makeup bag? What, you know, what you need to, you know, keep in. It's just all of those elements of breaking down the products and knowing the basics of everything. So you know how to solve your issues, right? Your your airbrush is clogging. What kind of paint do you have? What's the yeah. solvent that's going to break that down and make it thinner. So it'll run through. Yeah. You know, what kind of soap is going to remove that paint? Like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So is that when you just reference the snow, is that kind of some of the more wild weather sets you've experienced? I mean, being I think Canada. working in the snow, yeah, working in the snow to me is the most challenging because I'm like small hands, so my hands get really cold, and I just feel like they don't work that right. well. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> it's more about just the dexterity for me. But there's definitely products that freeze, and products that you know, glues that crystallize, and bloods that don't flow, mm. and you know, you have to know the the right. You know, working in extreme temperatures can be very challenging. Um, Shot in Mexico in the heat, but I haven't done huge shoots in jungles or extreme heat. Uh, I've dealt a lot in the snow and in the rain and things like that. So it's all a bit of a learning curve. But when you know your basics, it really, really helps you get there. Yeah. 
think, you know, one thing that's really uh, that I think really helps with working in extreme temperatures is mm. just having good clothing, you know, like yeah. a good jacket, some good boots, you know, a heated vest. Uh, I know people like heated socks, all of that stuff. Like it, it's life changing. It can be slightly comfortable. The yeah. heated vest for me was a fucking game changer. I haven't right? gone so far as to socks because I don't think I've been anywhere that cold enough to need it. But the heated vest is because for me also, I really like, I, I don't like feeling restricted. So yes. if I can just have the vest and kind of that my arms possibly get a little colder because I don't have like a massive jacket on. I'm all about it. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's a game changer. The heated vest. Never yeah. leave home without it. Yeah. It's great in the studio too. You know, those days where it's just cold in the studio mm. and the same thing, you don't want to be burdened in a, in a whole bunch of clothes. Yeah. I know I did a series in LA, I think it was April or May. Mm. And as soon as the sun went down, the whole crew put on their Canada goose jackets. I was like, <laughs> like what is happening guys? It's really not that like, cold. <laughs> like, are you guys cold? <laughs> I know, but I tell you, that's what you get used to. I have definitely softened Absolutely. since I moved here. When I first moved yes. here, I was just like, Oh my God, it's just so hot all the time. And now I'm just like, Oh yeah, it's warm. Then I go somewhere where it's cold. and I'm like, I'm going to die. And freezing. <laughs> so true. It's just like so it's just like my family hails from Scotland. It's just like, come on, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Los Angeles broke me, turned <laughs> me into a complete baby. Uh, yeah, that's what you get used to. So, what advice would you give someone looking to get into this line of work? I think that if you want to work in a film set, you have to love film. I think that's really important. Like, you have to love how it's put together and. Uh, process, you know, mm. I mean, I'm sure you have watched a movie where you're watching it and you get kind of caught off guard and you think, oh my God, how long did this take to shoot? <laughs> have you ever had that moment? <laughs> I have had that moment where I watch something and I'm like, fuck that. And all yes, I'm thinking about is like, I, I could would never. not want to be on I set would die. <laughs> with doing this movie because all I can think about is yeah what it took to make it and you're just like oh hell no <laughs> yeah it's so true I mean I get caught up in that all the time because I love all this like scapey it's like you know the game of thrones and the, everybody's mm. in the middle of the nowhere on the side of a cliff and you get at night time and you go and it's raining at night time and it's raining <laughs> <laughs> you go oh my goodness I'm so glad I'm not there <laughs> <laughs> yeah so as you're saying you have to really enjoy actual film and what it takes to make it and because on the other side of that is that it's not necessarily a glamorous situation don't be fooled by that yeah I don't know (laughs) if anyone's even still fooled about that but there are amazing things about working on set I mean you see things that you go to places that you would have never gone to Mm. you you know you end up in areas there's often that I've sat on a set you know, on the top of a mountain or, and just thought, wow, this is incredible. Like, Mm. this is incredible. I would have never seen this if, if this wasn't my job. Yeah. And, you know, and and it's fun, you know, to meet people. Like I love the energy in a makeup trailer. I love the morning energy of getting the cast ready and everybody leaving in a good mood, you know, setting, setting the tone for the day to be positive uh, always makes me smile and happy. I always think that, you know, I have a good time in, in my trailer with the hair department, with my team, with, with everything, with the cast. Uh, that warms my heart. I think when I think of my job, 
Yeah. So like I said to my daughter, she's eight. I said, what do you want to do when you won't grow up? She goes, I want to be a YouTube star. <laughs> I thought, like, oh, oh the world is changing. <laughs> I want to be a YouTube star. You're like, for doing what? <laughs> do you, have you found your niche? What? <laughs> Oh no, that's dangerous. How do you feel about that? That would freak me out. Maybe it's the same thing that your head was thinking when you were like, I want to do makeup. That's what I thought. (laughs) That's what I thought too. My daughters right now are obsessed with makeup. They're in the bathroom, you know, with all kinds of, you know, creations. They've got YouTube on, like the makeup tutorials on YouTube are incredible. There's Mm. a lot of really fun like masterful creations happening. Yeah. Um, they love copying them. And I think they get really excited. You know, they're always, well, right now, since I'm not on a show, my my makeup kit is downstairs in our home, taking mm. up a ton of space. Mm. And they're always trying to break into boxes and things like that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that is not for you. <laughs> All of a sudden you'll find them and their faces will be glued to each other's because they've got into your telesis or something. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. You better put padlocks on that stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely. But we have, yeah, we've been having a lot of brush cleaning parties lately. Oh, cool. So that, so that they keep everything clean and organized. Yeah. Hygiene, very important. Hygiene, very important, very important. What do you think you find the most challenging about this line of work? I think to me the hours are the most challenging. Mm. And, you know, especially just family. I always think that it's too bad. You know, I it's too bad to have a job where I have to be there for so much of my day. Mm. But um, same time, I try to really organize my life now where I focus on the project and then I can take uh, breaks in between to have that break. But I find, you know, when you're the department head, the, my mental capacity so often is focused on the job. So even when I'm not actually on set, I'm thinking about it or I'm answering emails or, you know, we're planning upcoming, you know, concepts or sequences or whatever. So it does take a lot of me, of my time and my energy in my life. Um, you know, it's hard. I mean, I love it. And, and I have to say that I don't know that I could see myself doing anything different, but um, if only we could shoot six hours a day. <laughs> That's funny. That'd exactly. be amazing. It'd be amazing. But I, I, I totally hear you with that. And that's why I always also kind of, when someone's just like getting, you know, they're new into the industry and they're like, oh, I want to be a head of department. I'm like, do you though? Yeah. Because it's, it it's is tough. so all it's just your life while you're doing it. Like I, 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 yeah. I don't understand how you do it with having two kids. I have enough problems just functioning with my husband when I'm on something and he knows because it comes out of my mouth. Literally. It's just like, I don't have the bandwidth. Like, can we just like, I, know. Uh, I can't. And then that's why I know that when I'm finished that job, I need to have some downtime and then, he gets all my attention as well. Do you know what I mean? And everything else in my life gets attention, but it's just, I can't seem to find a true balance because there's just not enough hours in the day. Like I you literally cannot do it. So unless you maybe focus more on doing different roles, like day playing or being a third or whatever it might be, that gives you less responsibility to kind of take home at the end of the day. 
but um, I hear you. I know it's I, hard. <laughs> I mean, your girls must definitely know when you're on a job. They, yes. Yeah. They definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely do. Really good. You know, I mean, my husband's incredibly supportive and my daughters are, are really good um, and supportive and, and them being older helps, you know, they're 11 and eight now. So that's, they're starting to get into their own, um, their own lives. They have yeah. their own lives these yeah. days. So that's nice. And, and I always think it's good to, for them, you know, to have two daughters, to show them that their mom does have a career mm-hmm. uh, to them is something that I think is important for them to see and that, you know, it'll help them guide their life in a certain way. And I feel like I, I have a lot of energy. So, you know, I do get up often and make my kids lunch before I go to work and then I go to work and then I come home and, you know, do 10 minutes of exercise and hear about their day and do homework. And, you know, it's exhausting, but it's life and it's, and it's worth it. You know, yeah. it's fulfilling. That's awesome to hear. <laughs> It's like, it it's is possible. possible. Yeah, it yeah. is possible. <laughs> I think too, it's like, I, I remember um, a makeup artist friend of mine who is kind of dreaming about retirement. Like her words of advice to people, I'd hear her say it to women on set. <laughs> and she'd be just like, well, if you're thinking of having children, you should plan it. Like she was just like, otherwise you get to a point and you're like, oh, I'm that age already and that many years have passed, you know, uh, because as we say, the job is so all encompassing that you kind of just keep going and going and going and don't, can't figure out how you would fit that in somewhere, but it is just consciously stopping and going, okay, I want to do this. How can I make it work? And then kind of following through with it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And like what I said first had my daughter and had to take, you know, a year longer than a year off. And then when I came back, I realized that sort of fall right back into step. And like I said, if people haven't seen you for a year, they just think you've been on another show. Yeah. It's not like you were cast out of the city and left to (laughs) stumble through the desert alone. (laughs) It's just like, it's not, it's not that type of thing. You're just, yeah. Good for women to have that reminder though, too, Mm. because I think that as women, we think if we do stop our careers to start a family, it's going to affect us in a negative way. And I think that that's one good thing about this industry. I don't think that that's true. I think that you can step in and you can even, you know, go to different places that you hadn't been before, you know, stretch yourself a bit. Like, so if you have the right support system around you, I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, being such a film lover, and being aware of makeup and stuff while you're watching films. There are a couple of films that you remember watching and just being absolutely blown away by the hair and makeup or just- There's so many. And, but I bought a trailer today for Maestro. Have you seen that? Oh, it's- I want to see it. And I, I already know that it's going to be fucking amazing. Like incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, you look at it and you go, well, there you go. There's, yeah, there's just hand right them there. the awards right now. Yeah, just give them the award. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. But you know, I um, you know, I I over a show an HBO series in Atlanta mm. for Vivian Baker, and she was just leaving to go do that show with Kazuhiro, um, 
so that's why she needed someone to take over her show. So I finished series, um, and we had um, together, she mentored me to take over the show for her and awesome. sort of talked a little bit about the projects that she was going on to. And so I was waiting to see the images when they came out and just having worked with her and knowing her meticulous, you know, eye for detail and yeah. how skilled and, you know, the darkest hour makeup so incredible that Kazuhiro sculpted and, you know, um, Malinowski and Lucy did the application. It was, it's flawless. And mm. um, that movie, I'm really excited to see. I just saw the trailer. I've really gone through, like, I love, you know, I love like Guardians of the Galaxy, the new Guardians of the Galaxy. That was shooting in Atlanta when I was down there. Mm. And there were so many fabulous um, artists in town met that we all sort of, you know, six degrees of separation and talking about what they were going through. And it was this huge, huge, huge production. And it's so fun. I just watched it the other day and it's really fun. The makeups are great and and then life and exciting. And then to see other makeups that are sort of like hyper-realistic on real people. Like it's amazing what makeup and hair can do, you know? I mean, really just come a long way. It's wild, you know? Wigs and and their development it's so inspiring we're in an amazing spot <laughs> that's awesome I love it do you, do you have one that you look back on though that's kind of like a, a favorite so funny is I I always had considered you know one of the 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 monumental moments that I remember being obsessed with makeup was mm. I watched the behind the scenes making of the thriller video with Rick, oh, Rick Baker yeah and it's funny because I I looked up an image from that movie not very long ago and to look back on it, you go, oh, wow, like that was a long time ago. <laughs> We've yeah. really come a long way since then. Yeah. But in my mind, it was like um, so, so different and inspiring and groundbreaking. And um, Eric Worrell from London, um, recall like the work of Rob Bottin when I was younger, when I would watch that stuff like that kind of really inspired me and changed my life. It was yeah. like, so amazing. I mean, to think that, Max von Sydow, the actor from The Exorcist, who was aged in The Exorcist. I have no idea. But anyways, he that actor looked like the same age my whole life because I always remembered him like that. Right. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like yeah, so yeah. wild. <laughs> um, and I watched Bombshell the other day and like, it's so great too. You know, the subtleties of all of those transformations were just fantastic. And the wigs and the hair, I, I just love it all. Fun. Awesome. Well, I want to know from you, if I had you set up at your station, had all your kit with you, took away one tool or product, what would you freak out about? What would you never want to be without on your daily, daily grind? I think for me, that changes often. Like mm-hmm. I would say if you were sitting at my station and you took away one of my favorite products right now would be my Fenty primer. But then I also think that like in general, my makeup brushes, right. you know, I have one brush from like the original vinyl brush collection mm-hmm. that doesn't even exist anymore that I would lose my mind if it went missing. Right. It's like my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I always have to know where it is. It's yeah. always in my lead actor's bag. Yeah. Um, my father, my father's Japanese mm-hmm. and he goes to Japan often. And he said to me once, he goes, oh, I, you know, I'm in Kyoto and there's this little brush store here, this makeup brush store. I'm going to get you some makeup brushes. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing, dad. And he sent me this set of Hakuhodo makeup brushes, which are like incredible, probably the best brushes in the world. You know, I mean, they're definitely not vegan, um, beautifully handcrafted, you know, just works of art. Yeah. Um, oh, 
I think good brushes in general for me, good products, I think can make or break, you know, you can tell when the product is a quality product Mm. as opposed to something you, you know, has been in your kit for 35 years. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that, uh, staying current, absolutely. You know, like today I would say my Fenty primer two years ago, I would have said my Laura Mercier illuminating primer. Right. Don't take it off my station or I'll freak out. So yeah. I think it changes all the time. You know, it's just different show. I always find different shows. I come up with a whole like basket of all my favorites. Yeah. And then I go to my next show and I go, what was that thing I was using on that show? That Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's try that. You know, because then yeah. you come up with a whole new arsenal. Yeah. But uh, I definitely have a couple of brushes. Yeah. Of course. I mean, absolutely. I think too, that's why we're constantly on the search for like the right uh, set bag and the right you know, things yes. like that because it's just like, I think it changes depending on the job and what your needs are. Like there is no yeah. one thing sometimes that, or packing system or a station set up that works for every single job it's just like a you tailor make it to to work yes 100 absolutely <laughs> i wish it was just like you set it up and that was your situation for every job but it's just not the case <laughs> no it's not i know it's like i got obsessed with those hulkin bags mm-hmm. you know last year when i was in atlanta and i have them in all different sizes and yeah. they're fantastic you know they come with lids and you, they roll around mm. but then i come to a show where i'm dragging them up a mountain every day and i'm like Nope, no, that's not working. <laughs> that's not working. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like on stage with a nice concrete. I took mine to uh, Prague last year, and it was thinking that I would use it uh, work because I um, wanted to. Just I knew that if I was going out getting groceries or shopping or something, and I could use mm. it in my own time. But of course, I knew that there were cobbled streets, and I had been to Prague before. <laughs> but I just kind of thought, well. I guess this will be a test for the Hulk and to see how it does. No, I went grocery shopping once, <laughs> filled that thing, and I was like, all the way back to my apartment. I was like, nope, that bag is not coming out with me again. Just because it was like everyone would like look at me like, what? Yes, they're very loud. Yeah, it's just like there was no street that was not cobbled because we were staying in like old part of town so it was just this this, the whole way and I was just like oh my god oh my god but I'd loaded it up so with so much heavy shit that I was like well I'm not carrying this so yeah Yeah. that was the last time I I dealt with that and I I will say that I um that day on I found a supermarket that did delivery and that was it and I don't think now anytime I work on location I'm just gonna get my groceries delivered genius I was just like the amount of time that that was saving me every weekend I was just like this is great I can just put the order in. I just have to make sure I'm you know at my accommodation when it turns up and I don't have to you know waste my time grocery shopping 100 percent I think that in New York when oh, I was yeah. like, I lived in a, in a corporate like high rise where the laundry was down in the basement or like in the lobby. Mm. And I spent, you know, one weekend up and down, up and down, waiting for the machines to open, making sure you had the coupons and the tokens Ugh. and until I found the laundry drop off services. And then I was like, Hello. oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you got to do to just make it so you can have more time to yourself yes to do more important things than yeah yeah <laughs> I know I've often said wouldn't it be nice if 
we did four day work weeks. Like I would even do 15, 16 hours a day for four days and then get three days off. Yeah. That would be like the perfect work, work schedule. Yeah. It's a true story. (laughs) And um, one person would you like to hear on the podcast? I mean, you have everybody on that podcast. It's, it's not amazing. <laughs> and I keep, everyone's just like, if you had this person, you need to talk to this person. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many people. But I always am very interested to know. I would say Vivian Baker. She's a, just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Incredible, incredible person. She, so much in the time that I spent with her. Um, she, she's amazing. For yeah. sure. I will uh, disclaimer, I have tried. Uh, it's a very long time ago now, so I can definitely circle back around at some point. Well, she's very busy. I mean, talk yeah. about somebody who like goes from project to project. I mean, I think since I've known her, she's really gone from, you know, she's constantly busy. So it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah. she does, you know, she. Uh, I think I just amazing. have to catch her at the right time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and before we wrap, are you ready for a quick fire round of questions in 30 seconds? Yes, let's do it. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. So, do you rather work in snow or sand? Oh, snow. <laughs> do you enjoy doing your own makeup? Yes or no? Yes. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Have you seen one? No, I don't think ghosts like me. I've worked in haunted places and they don't like me. <laughs> Do you watch more TV or movies? Good question. Um, I watch more TV. Watch more TV? Yeah, I'm the same. I wish I could say movies, but it's just not the case. <laughs> I think because TV has just become so much more awesome and readily available yeah. to be able to smash through a season that um, I need to get yeah, back to Yeah, there's some amazing TV. It's wild. There's some amazing TV happening. Yeah. You know, these big epic series. I am. Um, <laughs> well, Naomi, thank you so much for joining me and thanks for playing my little game at the end there. That was fun. Um, <laughs> it's been so great chatting to you. So great. Thank you so much. I'm, it's such a pleasure meeting you today. Yay. Okay, Last Looks crew, thanks for listening. And remember, if you love it, share it. A quick scroll down and you'll find our show notes. Or maybe you'd like to give your support and leave a five-star review. Go on, I know you want to. Search The Last Looks podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, whichever one tickles your fancy. And a massive shout out to the husband, Brett Stanley. Without his patience and tech support, this whole podcast situation simply does not happen and cheers to Liliana Rose for her fabulous voice acting talents okay last looks crew that's a wrap for me I don't need to be told twice to get out of here so bye I'll catch you on the flip side that's a wrap people